We're going to have a little bit of a different night tonight. I'm going to share for a few minutes. We'll have a little bit of table discussion, and then I have a dear friend that's here tonight that's going to share what the Lord is doing in and through him here in the city of Memphis. And so you better buckle up and hold on because it's going to be really good, all right? So I'm going to share a little bit with you. Let me pray for us, and we'll jump into it. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and well. And Lord, thank you that it cuts, Lord, right where we need to be cut. And Lord, tonight, I pray you'll draw each one of us close to yourself. And Lord, as we look at this specific word of love and how we can't even comprehend or understand what love is apart from who you are, because God, you are love. Lord, I pray you'll draw us to yourself. And Lord, that as we continue to experience your love in our lives, Lord, that we go out and we love one another like you're calling us to love each other. And Lord, that through that love, Lord, the world may see who you are, and they may come to know you as their Lord and Savior. So bless these men tonight as we look at your word. We love you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're beginning in verse 7. I want to read a few verses to you. We're going to have some table discussion. We'll come back. We'll read a little bit more, have another table discussion. I want to share just a couple of ideas with you before I introduce our guest. So here it is, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But this, by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. The word love may be the most overused word in the English language. We love all kinds of things. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We love a good cheeseburger. You love a really good filet or sirloin or flank steak, whatever your go-to ribeye or something like that, T-bone steak. We, we love this. You may love your car. We use those words to describe a lot of things. And sometimes we use that word to elevate things in our lives just to show people that this thing has specific importance in our lives or that it just has great value. Sometimes it is a very affectionate thing, like hopefully when you say you love your spouse or you love your child or you love your mom or you love your dad, you mean that differently than when you say you love that steak. But we utilize the same word. And what he says here is that we should love one another for love is from God. Now, this word in the Greek is agape. It is the deepest type of most affectionate love that we cannot comprehend or understand in human form. It's from God. And basically, here's exactly what he's saying. As we experience God's love for us, and by the way, what kind of love is that? That's a sacrificial love. Jesus Christ loves you enough that he came to earth, died a horrific death on the cross for you. And as he was dying on there, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they were doing. He was forgiving all of us that had nailed him to that cross, and he laid his life down. Some people say they had to wrestle people onto those crosses when they crucified them. I believe when Jesus died, he laid his life down for you and I because he loves you. He cares about you. He sacrificed his life. And I want you to think about this. God the Father sacrificed. That he would send Jesus Christ to the earth to experience what he had to experience. And I know a lot of people will say, well, but he's God. That's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal. Because when Jesus came to earth, he was fully God, but he was fully man as well. And he understood what pain was because he had experienced it. And when he went to the cross, he experienced in its fullness physical pain, but he also experienced the weight of all our sin. I want you to think about that for a moment. He loves you enough that he would do that for you and I. And here's what he said. Because of that love that he has shown to each and every one of us, he calls you and I to love one another the same way, sacrificially. It says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So here it is. You and I have experienced love from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, from the Holy Spirit, and we are to live that love out as we love one another. 
How many of you have ever talked to somebody before and they say, well, I don't go to church because there's a lot of hypocrites at the church. Anybody ever talk to anybody like that? I talked to a guy this last week. I was getting some groceries. I was talking to this guy and asked me if he went to church anywhere. And he said, well, I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. I said, well, what happened, if you don't mind me asking? He said, well, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. And I realized immediately he had been hurt. He had been hurt by somebody in the church. Now, I'll be honest with you, there's no hurt like church hurt. You don't expect to ever be hurt at the church, but on occasion, somebody that goes to church will do something that'll hurt. And he had experienced something like that. He said, I don't want to be a part of that. I got a question for you. If you and I were to focus on serving and loving one another like Christ calls us to do in 1 John chapter 4, do you think that the outside world would look inside the church and see it a little differently? You see, sometimes I think a lot of the people outside the church don't want to be a part of it because they look inside the walls of the building of the church. And by the way, they don't understand that the church is not a building. They don't understand that the church is you and I. If Jesus Christ has saved you, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you are the church. But they think the walls of the church, the building is the church. And sometimes they look in the church and they see the bickering and backbiting and they see the things that go on in the media and all that stuff and all the negativity. And they say, I don't want to be a part of that. And so what if we were to love like Jesus loves us. It says, verse 9, by this love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. You think about the, his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You and I don't have to experience that spiritual death because Jesus Christ paid for our sin debt. So I got a question. As you think about the love of God, as you think about God's love for you, hopefully that love has changed you. Hopefully you're not the same person you are today that you were before you gave your life to Jesus. Hopefully his love has done something in your life. So I want us to discuss that for just a few minutes. How has God's love for you changed you? You specifically, not your wife, not your uncle, not your mom or dad, not the guy in the cubicle beside you at work. How has God's love for you changed you? I want us to discuss it for a few minutes. Ready, set, go. All right, guys, hopefully you were able to share at the table how God's love has changed you. And maybe it's something that can be seen outwardly. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's desires in your lives. I, I have seen in my life how Jesus Christ love for me has came in and changed me and how there were things that I used to desire that I don't desire any, anymore. And I'm not even talking about sinful things. I'm talking about there were desires that I desired to aspire to be something or to be someone. And he's changed those desires. One of my favorite authors, Major Ian Thomas, once said, when Jesus comes into your life, he changes your mind, will, and emotions. That's every aspect of your being. And so I believe the longer you walk with Jesus, the more he's going to change you. That's the sanctification process. And so hopefully you were able to share some things around the table. Well, let's look at verse 10, and we're probably going to skip ahead a little bit because I want to get our guest up here and make sure we give him plenty of time. It says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So going right back to what it says in verse 7, we should love him because he loves us. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. We can have a visual for our own selves, it's like looking in a mirror to see, am I loving Christ? Am I loving people? And we can see that being lived out through us by just taking a step back and saying, how am I treating people? How am I treating people? How are you treating the guy in the cubicle beside you that gets on your nerves? How are you treating that neighbor that blows his grass clippings on your driveway and just ticks you off? How are you treating him? How you tr how, how you been treating your... your uh, Maybe a, a loved one, a relative. How, have you been treating the person that you work with closely that maybe doesn't share the same values as you? How have you been treating your wife lately? 
How have you been treating your children lately? We could take a step back and see, am I allowing Christ's love to come through me? Am I living out what he's called me to be? Verse 14, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. There is no other way to the Father except through the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us, and I love this, and I want you to grab hold of this. God is love. Not that God shows love. Not that God speaks of love. Not that God has just written down what love is. God is love. It's who he is. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Look at verse 17. By this love... By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. And I love what verse 18 says, and I'd love to come back and talk about this at some point. It says, therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Well, what is he saying? He's saying if you are in love, you do not have to fear death Because when we're talking about death, when Jesus is talking about death, that is that spiritual death that you and I should get for our sin. We should spend an eternity separated from God forever and ever in a place called hell. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear the devil. We don't have to fear the grave. We don't have to fear any of those things. You see, in love is salvation because it is who God is. And so if we are in Christ, you and I don't have to fear those things. There's no fear In love, we love because he first loved us. Look at verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, guys, if we don't say anything else, and if you don't hear one more word that comes out tonight, I want you to read that again. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, I've read a lot of commentary on a lot of verses in the Bible, and that one I don't think needs much commentary. It's pretty straightforward. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. He should love his brother also. As I have worked through this passage, and we don't have a lot of time to really dig into it, but I really want us to walk away with this whole idea of if I am in God, if I'm in Christ, If I'm experiencing his love, it should be being lived out through me. Now, I think that looks different for all of us. God has placed each and every one of us in a different part of the community. He's given each and every one of us different jobs. He's given each and every one of us different hobbies that we enjoy doing, which therefore puts us around different people. I met a guy this past week at at, uh, Aldi. Aldi. Now, if you're not shopping at Aldi, you are missing out. There's no name brand anything, but it's super cheap, okay? And I was at Aldi, and I'm talking to this guy, and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, "Uh, there's a really nice Corvette out there, and I had seen him get out of it. I said, do you know anything about it? He said, oh, that's my baby. I said, really? I said, how long have you had that Corvette? He said, well, I bought that Corvette, and he went into the whole thing. I'm talking about 15 minutes of the whole thing. I didn't care nothing about the Corvette. I didn't care nothing about where he got it from. I'm trying to just get into a conversation. What I realized very quickly is he loved that thing, and it meant a whole lot to him. And what I realized was all of his time, all of his effort, all of his money, all of his stuff went into that thing in which he loved. Dr. Rogers, and I shared this in our life group on Sunday, used to say, if you will give me your checkbook and your calendar and 10 minutes, I can tell you what you love. Give me your checkbook. You don't even know what a checkbook is anymore. Give me your online access to your bank account and your, your phone so I can check your calendar out and give me 10 minutes and I'll tell you exactly what you love. I got a question. If God's love is stirring in you, if it is changing you, are you living out that love? And what he says specifically here in 1 John chapter 4 is that we are to love each other. He uses the word brothers right here. 
So we're to look around and we're to find those men that love Jesus like we do. And we're to serve them. We're to love them. We're to care for them. Isn't that what the church is supposed to look like? It's supposed to point people to Jesus. And by the way, I don't think you ever look more like Jesus than when you're serving someone else. I mean, there's a lot of spiritual gifts, depending on how you break them up, 19 to 21 of them. And everybody has at least one spiritual gift, everybody. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, as each one has received a special gift. So let me, let me get this straight. Who is each one? That's us, it's believers. If you're a Christian, you are each one. So each one has received what? A special gift, right? So each one of us has been given at least one spiritual gift. Now, we could talk for days about spiritual gifts. I think you most likely have two or three spiritual gifts. I also think, and now we could talk about this, but I also think through prayer and time with the Lord that you can have more spiritual gifts. I believe the Lord will give those to you, okay? We can talk about that more. But everybody that's a Christian has at least one. Now, here's what he says, and I find this fascinating. Employ it in serving one another. So, Every Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift, and what are they supposed to use it for? Serving who? Each other. You know, a lot of people leave churches because there's a problem at the church. People aren't getting along at the church. So they go down the road and they go to another church and they stay there for 10 or 15 years until there's a problem over there. What if each one of us were concentrated and focused on just serving one another? We weren't worried about becoming a deacon. We weren't worried about praying on Sunday morning. We weren't worried about doing all of these things. We were just focused on loving and serving one another. I'll take it a step further. What if all the marriages represented at Bellevue Baptist Church were made up of men that were focused not on serving themselves but serving their wife, and those same marriages were made up of wives that weren't focused on serving themselves but they were focused on serving their husbands? I think we could have some marriages that look different as well. This is what he's called us to. But here's what's interesting and I love about this. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does he call us to do with the gift that he has given us? He calls us to steward it. Now, when we talk about stewardship, we typically talk about finances. When someone starts making money, well, you need to be a good steward with your money. And I, I agree with that. I believe in that. But here's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, you've been given a spiritual gift. Now, you need to steward it well. What does that even look like? Well, first of all, you've got to know what your spiritual gift is. Notice what he says here. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. So here's the picture that I need us to grab hold of before I invite Sean up here. Every man in this room has been given a gift. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are encouragers. Some of you are givers. Some of you are servants. And I could go on and on and on of the gifts God has given you. But none of us in this room have all the spiritual gifts, do we? Anybody willing to raise their hand and say, yeah, I've got all 21 spiritual gifts? Anybody out there? As far as I know, in all my research, I've only found one person that ever had all of these. His name was Jesus. And what Paul tells us in Ephesians is that Jesus is the head of the church. Now, we typically think building, but he's talking about the people, you and I are the church. Christ is the head of the church. And so here's the beautiful part that God has allowed you and I to be a part of. I want you to catch this. You and you and you and you and you each have a different spiritual gift. And when you come together collectively and serve one another, we give people a picture of who Jesus really is. When the church comes together and serves the church, we give the outside world a picture of who Jesus really is. And once we do that, then he opens up the door for us to go outside the walls of this building and to then be the church. And what I believe John is calling us here to do is to love people like Jesus loves people. As I look around the city of Memphis, 
I see a lot of hurting people. I went and had lunch. I don't think he's here. I don't see James here. I had lunch with one of the guys in our life group today. I drove down off of uh, 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 whatever that road is it where uh, Central Barbecue is. Sam Cooper. Got off on summer. Had lunch at, per- at uh, Central Barbecue, and I passed four men on the side of the road begging for money. I don't know their story. I don't know anything about them. But I passed four men, four, in my 10-minute drive to Central Barbecue. They are everywhere. And not just men on the side of the road, but there are children in our city that are eating once a day. Now, we like to turn a blind eye to that, but that's the reality. We live in a city where people are hurting, and God has called us here. He has planted you here. You say, well, I'm just here on contract. I'm only here for six months. You're here for six months. This is where God's placed you. God's got a purpose for you here. And he is calling you and I to love our city like he loves us. Your neighbor, the only Jesus they may ever see may be you. The person you work with at work, the only Jesus they may ever see may be you. That's your question. Are you loving them like Christ loves you? In just a moment, we're going to have a... um, one more table discussion, and while y'all are discussing, I'm going to bring up my very dear friend, Sean Abram. So I'm going to ask him to go ahead and make his way up here. I want to tell you a little bit about Sean before he gets up here. This is Sean right there in the middle. He and his wife, Mary, they are an amazing couple. I have watched them now for years. Um, their kids played sports here at Bellevue, which is how I came to know them. And then I found out that Shun had graduated from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and that he was in ministry. And then I found out that Shun was a pastor at Binghampton Community Church. And then I found out that Shun is now the director of the Sin Relief Mission Center here in Memphis. And by the way, he's going to talk to you about it, and I want you to get involved. And then I found out that he's coaching for MHA down there. He said, is that a big deal? Well, it is because he's my oldest son's head coach, and he's doing a fantastic job. As I watch Shun, I'll tell you what I see. I see a man and a woman who first love Christ, who love their family really well, really well, and who love this city unlike most other people that I know. And they're doing things in this city that can only be explained by the movement of the Holy Spirit. And I am connected all around this area. And I have never, ever, ever had a conversation with anyone ever about Sean Abram that was negative. Most everybody says, man, that guy just loves Jesus. And in just a moment, when you're done with your table discussion, he's going to come up here. And he's going to share with you some of the ways God is using his family in Memphis. And here's what I want you to do. Before he comes up here, I want you to ask yourself the question, how am I living out the love of God that's in my life in the community he's placed me in? How am I doing that? I want you to put that in the back of your mind as he gets ready to come up here in just a moment. All right, here's the table discussion. You got five minutes. What are some ways believers can show love to other believers? So we just talked about it. He says, I loved you. Now you love each other. So how can you and I, in this place that he's put us, show love to one another? By the way, there's a verse in the New Testament that talks about with a holy kiss. I hope none of you bring that up at your table because we're not going to practice that here at Bellevue, okay? But anything outside of that, let's talk about it, see what it looks like. you got five minutes. Ready, set, go. Amen, amen, amen. I just want to just want to thank you all for uh, inviting me here today. And as we continue on uh, pursuing the heart of God, because that is the reason why we exist. That's why we're here tonight. Uh, that's why we go to work each day. That's why, you know, uh, we love our families. That's why all of that, because it's out of the pursuit of the heart of God. So I thank God for allowing me to be a part of what uh, he's doing with all of you And as we continue, I just want to take a moment uh, to pray because there's nothing that I can do unless the power of God does it through me. Uh, I realize, well, nothing that is good, that is, 
uh, that I can do unless God does it through me. So, and that's what I want God to do tonight, because there's a lot of things that we can talk about, uh, but we want, we, want to, uh, we want God to reveal himself in the way that he wants to tonight, right? So uh, we can hear his heart and uh, just be moved by, uh, moved by him. So just, let's go to God in prayer. I just want to take uh, about a minute out. I want you to uh, have a heart-to-heart with the king. Please pray for me that God will use me, right? Also pray um, for, for you that God will allow you to hear what he's saying. And then when it comes down to the beauty of understanding what uh, repentance and forgiveness is, it's a beautiful picture of God's arms. Uh, his, his, his arms are wide open for all of us, to, uh, all of us who turn to him. Uh, I thank God for forgiving me of all of my sin. And then uh, having a heart uh, that he loves me so much, which goes back to uh, my appreciation for who he is, right? And that's the beauty of repentance. So we want to take a time as you pray, of course, ask God to search your heart. There's anything that's none of him and anything that you've done, known or unknown, uh, you have a heart uh, of repentance towards him, all right? But then also that's a heart of celebration and appreciation for all of us who trust in him. But then I want you to stretch from your, from your heart, your arms out, so to speak, and also forgive others, right? It's uh, when, you, when it comes down to, uh, you know, the cross, it comes down to the heart of God, it goes back to forgiveness, forgiving me. But, you know, how can I stretch out my heart and my hands to hand over that person, to hand over the hurt, to hand over the anger, whatever it is, the issue that's in my heart, hand that all over to God because he's the only one that can handle that person or that situation in this life or the next. So you're saying that I am releasing the debt that's in my heart that's hindering me or causing me to be bitter or angry or whatever that it may, it may be that you're handing that person, the situation, into the hands of God. He can handle it. So you are releasing it, okay? So you're celebrating. You're asking God for forgiveness. And if you know Christ, you're celebrating the beauty of what that means. But then you're also handing that person over. So have a heart-to-heart with the king right now, right where you are. Sir, we come to you. We appreciate the beauty of the moment in which you have given us. We do not take it for granted. Sir, I know there's nothing I can do unless you do it through me. So I pray right now that anything the enemy will try to do to hinder your will, uh, you will move it far from us tonight. We thank you that the Holy Spirit intercede for us even when we know not what to pray for. Dear God, you already know exactly what to do. So we're praying right now in confidence because it's because of you that we are here and that we have life and that we live and so we thank you right now. Uh, so we need you, sir. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Uh, be with these men. May they hear your heart and be inspired, dear God, to walk in your will and your way each and every day, and that you will continue to show them the beauty of relationship and what it means to pursue your heart. Continue to encourage us all uh, because it is Christ in us. I pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Like I said, uh, when it comes down to one of the main things I've learned uh, living is that it is Christ within me. It's the only way that I am able, all right, to do what I do, to live where I live, to uh, function properly. It is Christ living out the gospel within me. For I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life, now I live within the flesh. I live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or I would have gave up a long time ago. Thank you, guys. Like I said, so uh, you saw my lovely family, uh, my wife, Mary. Uh, we've been married 20 years now. I have four children, got one in college, the rest uh, in high school, ranging from the ages of 14 to 19. And uh, so, just like Derek said, our sons play on the 14U team, which me and him get an opportunity to coach. And I thank God for him because I be bouncing ideas off. We be on the court, we be working together. But it is a God-given partnership as we lead our boys, uh, hopefully uh, next week to a national championship, right, in the next couple of weeks. So we're, we're looking for that uh, as, as God gives us strength. 
I thank God for many of you. Some of you have served in Binghamton. I, I see Jeff. I see other uh, brothers who've been out to Binghamton and walk alongside of us. And like I said, with my family and I, I moved into Binghamton about 15 years ago, originally from South Haven, Mississippi. My dad from South, South Haven, Mississippi, it's called Jago at that time, basically. So grew up there, born and raised. And uh, around 2008, God was tugging at my heart. I was at Mid-America at the time, uh, serving, uh, but God was just tugging at my heart about moving into being Hampton uh, to be salt and light in the community. So, you know, living in the suburbs and then Memphis is, you know, different and just in the inner city there where God was calling us to. And I remember praying and asking God, because I know he was, he was tugging at my heart to do it, but I, I know I'm, I'm looking at the news and you guys see the news and, and all of what's going on. And like I said, at the time I was in, I was in seminary as well. And, and then I had uh, three kids at that time. And then my youngest son was on the way and God was tugging at my heart. And I remember praying and asking God to, to guide me and lead me. You know, you also, you get into scripture and you're seeing, you know, what was going on, what God was saying. And I remember uh, God basically sharing with me in, in, in prayer. He said, son, said you would be safer in my will in Binghamton than out of, than out of my will in South Haven. Basically made that plain and clear, right? It wasn't, hey, it was very clear what he was calling me, calling me to do. And my wife, though, a week earlier, all right, she was watching news, and uh, but she didn't tell me this till later, okay, yeah. So, but she was watching the news a week earlier, and uh, she said, when she was watching the news, she said, you know what? I will never move to being, no, not being Hampton, but I would never move to Memphis. A week and a half, a week or so later, came, I came to her saying, you know what, honey? I think God's calling us to move to Memphis. <laughs> so it was like, oh, but God worked in her heart, right? God worked in her heart, same with mine, because he already let me know the call that he had upon my life to move into uh, Binghamton to be a light there and to plant the church there. So that's what we did. We moved to Binghamton in 2008. Uh, we're, we're there for a year. Church started in 2009, like I said. So we've been there, uh, pastoring there for 15 years. And God has shown me the beauty of who he is and how he's transformed my heart Right by moving into Binghamton, where there were at least three drug dealers on my street alone. Right? With three kids and then one on the way. So there were there were some concerns, right? There were some there were some worries. But just like anything else, it was only by the power of God. The Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of every believer, getting into his word, listening to wise counsel, understanding circumstances around us, sitting at his feet, that I remember we, the first day we moved there, and man, my kids were running around, and they were laughing, and they were playing. And I remember a thought that came to my heart. They didn't understand, they didn't understand that we moved from South Haven to Binghamton and, and the difficulties there. But as long as mama and daddy, because at that time I had a four-year-old and like a two-year-old and a few months old, and like we said, it was one on the way. As long as mom and dad was there, everything was okay. Which shows, which God began to show me again, as long as I am their son.
Now, have I seen some difficulties being a pastor in being Hampton? Displaying the heart of Christ, which is love. Understanding that love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Does not, you know, demand its own way. Is not easily irritated. It keeps you know, no record of, of being wrong. And, and living in a place like uh, being Hampton, where you, uh, you see brokenness all around you, you see offense uh, all around you, you see a lot of things. And true enough, it, like I said, it is by the power of God that he has given me the ability to love people around me, to overcome offense, to give back something else, which is another truth that God does within us because he's living it out within us. We can't love like God loves unless it is God loving through us. So I've learned that it's more of a surrendering. It's more of me allowing God to be himself within me. Me allowing Christ to be who he is within me. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only way that I can love like God loves. That's the only way that I can be a Christian is that Christ is living within me because I can't be a Christian without Christ. It's too hard. It's too hard to be a Christian without Christ. Wait a minute. I, did I say too hard, fellas? Oh, okay, okay. Help me out then. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know the business. Help me out. It's It's impossible. So therefore, I say, God, here I am, and it is a renewal of the mind every day. It's a renewal of the mind. Here I am, God, help me, show me, live through me, help me to, to love. Really, it's me surrendering and allowing uh, Christ to love through me. So like I said, been there 15 years pastoring there in the community. I thank God for allowing me to continue uh, to allow himself, to, to allow him to be himself within me so that A, that I, I don't burn out because sometimes in life and in difficult situations like uh, being Hampton that uh, people get in there like six to 18 months and it's so difficult you got to get out. But you know what I've learned? The only way that I didn't quit a long time ago, does anyone know what I learned? Anybody? What, who is it? Okay, help me out. Y'all know the business. Help me out. Like I said, it's Christ within me that's living. It's the only way to have that heart that he has, he has given us, which is that same heart when he was on the cross, he said, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, heart, right? Overcoming those offenses. And that's the heart that he allows me to have day in, day out, 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 day in. Day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, and day out. It's the only way. It's, and that is the heart of love. I can't do it. Only God within us. And God helps to heal the brokenhearted. And through walking out those 15 years, about two years ago, uh, 
about three, coming up on three years, is when uh, they called me to direct the ministry center, uh, Sin Relief Ministry Center, right? It is a partnership. It's a partnership, uh, cooperative effort between the International Mission Board and North American Mission Board. Sin Relief helps churches carry out the Great Commission through ministries of compassion. So uh, when you think about Sin Relief, you have the IMB, you have the North American Mission Board came together to form Sin Relief. Sin Relief, there's 20 ministry centers uh, over the country, which Memphis is one of those ministry centers. All right, the partnership here in Memphis is between our local uh, Mid-South Baptist Association. So you have, this, you have Sin Relief partnering with the Mid-South Baptist Association, which this church is a part of. So basically, it is our ministry center, because that's the partner. The Mid-South Baptist Association, there are 170 churches that are within the Mid-South Baptist Association, that partnership with Sin Relief, which, which makes, like I said, our ministry center uh, located in Raleigh. Within this ministry center, you all, we focus, it, we focus on five areas of compassion, all right? Um, when you think about strengthen communities, care for refugees, protect children and families, fight human trafficking, and respond to crisis. These are the five areas which we, by God's grace, displays the heart, uh, display the heart of Christ, which goes back to the Good Samaritan, right? When you, have, when you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, you had the Levite to pass by when the man was, was uh, beaten, half dead, uh, left for dead, right? And then you had the temple worker that came by, passed by on the other side. But then you had the good Samaritan who saw the hurting. Saw, for an example, saw the young lady who we are working with right now, uh, it was 10.30 at night. She was put out of her car by some dude with her four-year-old daughter put out at the gas station. Someone that knows our uh, association, that knows the ministry center, saw this young woman saw the hurting, contact us. We, we talked to her, and we, begin, we began and still walked alongside of her uh, to help her to gain housing because she was housing insecure. And that's one of the ways that the ministry center is reaching out into our city when it comes down to strengthening communities, which is one of those five areas we are working with housing insecure families in the Shelby County school system, which by the end of last year, it was right at 3,000 uh, families that are housing insecure with children in the school system. When I say housing insecure, think homeless or sleeping at a, somebody else's house or sleeping in the car. She was one of those families. Uh, so we were walk alongside of her, help secure housing, and then also we're partnering with churches to see how we can have what is called Good Samaritan, uh, either small groups or churches to walk alongside this family uh, from here until whenever. And that's how we continue to change a generation. This goes back to what discipleship is, uh, which I've learned being a pastor in Binghamton, that even though that we have programming uh, when it comes down to job, you know, job empowerment, when it comes down to education, when it comes down to uh, community development, and, you know, we work with all these other nonprofits, and uh, it was very much needed to up to upbuild a community in a Christ-centered fashion. Of course, Christ at the center, and all those things are needed, so programming is needed. But what I also learned was that young lady who lived on our street, she wasn't my daughter, but she's like my daughter. She grew up with my kids. Uh, she came to their ball games. We went to her plays. Uh, she's currently in college right now, and we're still walking alongside of her mom. So it goes back to community. It goes back to discipleship. 
So we're creating those discipleship opportunities for housing insecure families, just like this mother that was put out of her car at 1030 at night with a four-year-old in the city of Memphis. I don't know all the background then, we didn't know, but even though that she suffers a little from mental illness, which that's another part of how we walk alongside. So that background and where we'll help, we'll help, we are helping, which goes back to part what the ministry center does, which is our ministry center, heart of compassion in these five areas, strengthen communities. How do you strengthen communities? You strengthen the home, so housing and secure families. How else do we strengthen communities? We're in the schools. All right, one of the local schools that are there, that's there use our gym. Uh, their home gym was, was had towel and it was broken all up, so all of their home games that we hosted at the uh, ministry center uh, so we strengthen communities, and then that's how we strengthen communities. We strengthen the schools, and then also the community in and of itself, where the ministry center is. Because if a kid doesn't feel safe at home, if a kid doesn't feel safe at school, if a kid doesn't feel safe, right, in their community, of course you're going to see a lot of what you see when you see the news. Think about on a stress level of zero to ten, and you have people who's going through a cycle of having a stress level of 10 from, the, from as long as they can remember because their parents are crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis. That changes you. It changes the way you think, right? It, it's, a, it's a rewiring of the brain of what it means. And, I, and, and I'm real fast here, I know we're getting close and we're going to shut it down, but I just want to give you an instance where uh, sometimes people may look at the news and say, you know, why would, why would they do that? Have you ever thought that before? I have. <laughs> I've thought that, why? Right? We, all, we already know it goes back to the spiritual aspect and the reason why we're here when it comes down to us to walking out the gospel, having that same heart that Christ had on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, which is a heart of love, which allows me to continue to do what I do every day, day in, day out, day in, day out, because it's Christ within me, right? We already know that spiritually. But when it comes down to a mindset of survival or a mindset of, you know, just reality, I use this example. Now, some say if one of, and it's not everybody in the neighborhood, so don't think everybody thinks this way, but there are some who do when it comes down to, for an example, say if I want to go to the movies with my friends, right? Me and my friends, we want to, we want to go to the movies. All right, so, okay, man, I don't, have, I don't have money. Okay, I don't have any money. Oh, I know what I can do. I'll go, I'll go rob Billy at gunpoint probably get his phone, and I might get $20 for it so I can go to the movies and eat popcorn and some juju, eat some jujubes with my friends. Does that seem rational to you? Do you think that some people do that? All right, because it goes back to, it's, it's, like I said, it's a rewiring of the brain where, because in many cases, because they face trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma, it, it, it's a numbing, it's a numbing, it's a numbing effect to it. Uh, either you're going to numb off to it or it's going to gobble you up sometimes. So it's like a hardness to it, you know, to, you know, me going and, and robbing Billy where the trauma that I finna cause Billy, because he's now looking over his shoulder, he got a gun, you know, all right? It's like a numbing, and, and they're like, man, man, life is hard, Billy. Life hard for you today. Drop it off. Take that little money, go to the movies, sit down and laugh, eat popcorn, He juju beats. Billy's traumatized. Therefore, it took me about 10 years 
to kind of understand a certain mindset that everyone in the neighborhood don't, everyone in the neighborhood do not have this mindset, okay? But there is an underbelly. It took me about 10 years. And when I come to understand, goes back to uh, God allowing us to be salt and light and giving us the ability, A, like I said, to display the heart of Christ and that he live it out. And some of those offenses that they're going to be levied at you in certain places, may it be in the neighborhood or may it be in the rural areas of the country, certain mindsets that have been set in for years. They're not easily broken. I got for an example. Have you guys ever met someone that's racist before? Have you guys? Okay. If you go up to them and say, you know what? You need to stop being racist. What do you think? Like, all of a sudden, you know, you're right. <laughs> That's what I need to do. <laughs> but see, you got years of a mindset or years of hurt. You got years of anger. You got years of a, a, a philosophy of living years of what is held as right and what works, passed down from generation to generation to generation. There's a lot going on there. Same thing, like I said, in many of the communities, there's a lot going on there. But people who understand the heart of God, living out the gospel of Christ, day in, day out, day in, day out, people begin to see that there's something different. They begin to see, they begin to see love. So... That's what we're doing at the Ministry Center, strengthen communities, care for refugees, protect children and families, fight human trafficking, and respond to crisis. Uh, man, like I said, there's so much, there's so much more uh, that's there. And, uh, but like I said, even before we start, I wanted God to share, uh, just share what I share his heart, and that's the direction we kind of went in. Uh, but guys, when it comes down to serving, we've had a lot of your mission teams have come out and served at the uh, ministry center, served in the, in the community. Uh, a lot of what we need help with is construction on the building, right? When it comes down to the renovating the building, like we said, we're, we're creating a Christ-centered safe place for people to come to understand about the gospel and, and all those areas. So a portion of the building will have someone that's functioning, working in there, fighting against human trafficking as we partner with other nonprofits. Uh, we have someone in the building working to protect children and families, which is foster care and adoption, strengthen communities as we look at how we can come alongside of our homeless population, uh, but then also others who are in need. Uh, when you think about responding to crisis, how can we partner with you guys? You guys got a, a, a here, and I've seen it as well when it comes down to disaster relief. Now, how can we partner with you guys through disaster relief? Uh, we still need more work uh, done to the building. It's right at 88,000 square feet of space, which, man, we've been working on that. We've had over 1,000-plus volunteers, you know, working on the building. So we need skilled workers. Uh, man, we need men, right, who, who, who's able to come in and continue to help put up drywall or paint any of those things that we can, as we continue to build this building back in such a way that it continue to heal the hearts of men and women, boys and girls all around our, all around our city so that when we do uh, look at the news and you see the craziness that you see, uh, you know by his grace that there are people that are in the city because there's Christ within them walking out, displaying love, reaching out to try to change a generation 
from the craziness that you see, and I thank all of you and your church because you're doing that over our city. Uh, man, many of you are doing that, and may we continue to partner together to display the love like I heard you guys uh, speak of in First John. It is Christ within us as we serve. So I thank you all. Uh, I can pass it back out to you, uh, Derek. Do you want to do questions or anything, or we can close out? All right, I can show I can show them real fast some of the renovations to the building that we've. All right, some of the renovations that we have uh, here. I'll show you guys. Let me see. I got that video, but I may have another one. But we'll go. We'll go here. All right. So this is. We have uh, stakeholder meetings every Tuesday, and there's are a lot of nonprofits in the city that come and see how they can uh, serve uh, to resource the community. This right here is Compassion uh, Ministry uh, Connector, CMCs, and these are uh, members that are in churches, our 170 churches that help with Compassion Ministry. All right, uh, this right here is a partnership with One More Child. They gave like 20 uh, for about 24 packets, uh, well, pallets for us to pass out to the community. This is one of the volunteers that, that came and helping with the renovation. And uh, this part is, that's uh, Sonia. She works there, and she's discussing partnership. But it's going to show you here a little bit of the renovations that, all right, that's the building there, and we're still working on it, but it's, that's the outside of the building we painted the entire outside of the building. All right, this is a, a group of men, hallelujah, right, came to help, and they put up uh, the walls there. All right, this, this is going to be the Refugee Memphis space. That's a ministry that works with refugees, so those who, uh, who are here from uh, Afghanistan, uh, from the Ukraine, escaping uh, the tragedy that's going on there, they serve that population, then also uh, families from the border. How can we come alongside of them and display all right, the love of uh, the love of Christ. This is some more event renovations that's going on. Uh, this is the place that we're going to work with housing insecure families to help resettle them if they need to, you know, wash clothes or when it comes down to training, uh, job training, adult education, and working with them. We had a group of those same group of men came, laid down carpet squares for us, uh, you know, painting walls, and so we're, we're getting uh, we're getting all that renovated as we continue to serve. And let me see, I think there's some, some floors here. Yeah, so they, they did this as well. That's going to be the offices where the association is going to be. And then this is the, the last part. As you can see, the floors there uh, is being done right now. And these floors will be completed by the, end of, uh, by the end of this week. They started last week. And that's what they looked like before. And I'm going to go ahead and fast forward to what they look now. So we've had, like I said, over 1,000-plus volunteers. Now, we've had some of it been contract work, all right, but the majority of it has been uh, men and, and women and, uh, and, and children coming together to, to love on our city, to love those hurting in a Christ-centered fashion, and we need many, many more. Especially, I see a group of men this size, how we can come together. You guys come down and man, continue to help uh, when it comes down to strengthening communities and display that heart of Christ because that's what's going to change, you know, lives is, uh, is men and women, you know, with the heart of Christ displaying that love. And we're doing it with the ministry center here to create that a Christ-centered place where people can, uh, can see his glory. Amen. All right. Everybody raise your right hand. Everybody. Okay, you have just volunteered for a work day. And you're going to, I usually give, send you an email at 745. It's not going to go out at 745 because I wanted to get a couple things from him to get in this email. But I do want to get us a work day for Bellevue men to go down. Just the Bellevue men. Bring your sons with you. And I want us to do something down there. So I'm going to get with him and look. Some of you, we need a paintbrush in your hand. Some of you you're not going to touch a paintbrush, okay? 
Some of you, we may put a saw on your hand. Mr. Phillip, we may put a saw on your hand. Some of you, you're not even going to touch a power tool. Some of you are just going to be sweeping up. That's okay. There's a place for everybody to serve. Here's the reality. I want you just for a moment to think about God's grace in your life. I told our class Sunday, my family's not wealthy. But when I look at a lot of people in this world, we're spoiled rotten. I want my children to grow up seeing God work. And that's why I'm thankful for guys like this. You and I will get in our nice cars and we'll go back home and we'll have a bowl of cereal or ice cream. You may not even think about this again. But he's going to go right back to it. And so I want you to make a commitment of one of three ways. I want you to commit, first and foremost, you're going to pray. You're going to pray for Shun. You're going to pray for Sin Relief. You're going to pray for Binghamton Community Church. And I'm going to send all this to you in the next day as well. Secondly, I want you to pray about how you're going to serve. And you may say, Derek, I already have a place I serve at every week, and I'm not going to be able to commit to this. Listen, that's okay. But some of us aren't serving hardly anywhere. And I want to give us this opportunity. And then some of you, somebody already said to me, hey, is there a way for me to give? Yes, there's ways for you to give. And so we'll give you all those, all that information, okay? Um, Shun, I, I know we're running out of time here, but I'm sure there's days you wake up and you feel like, I mean, how many of you know that pastoring a church is a full-time job? And there, somebody said, do you do that on the clock or off the clock? There is no off the clock, okay? The director of sin relief is a full-time job as well. So he has two full-time jobs, two full-time jobs. Um, so I know there's days you get up and you're not for sure how you're going to keep doing it. And I know there's days you get up and you and Miss Mary probably want to just give up. And so I want you just, just in a moment uh, to share something personally in your family of something we can specifically pray for you about. And then when he shares that, I want, if you've ever worked alongside Sean at Sin Relief or if you've worked alongside him at Binghamton uh, Community Church, I want you to come up here. And we're going to have him right here. We're going to lay hands on him. And even if you haven't worked beside him before, I want you to come lay hands on him. We're just going to pray over him, okay? So, Sean, you share real quick, and then we're going to pray for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh... When it comes down to, like you said, as our family continue to walk with the king, especially my kiddos, uh, just be in prayer for them. And even if you pray, Numbers 6, uh, 24, 25, and 26. Uh, that's why I always get people to pray because I know when it comes down to God's word, uh, we pray his word. You know, God says, let there be, and there is. So we pray, we pray the word. Um, and if you guys can pray Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 25, and 26 uh, over my family, and I can read it. It's uh, number 6, 24, and it is. Numbers chapter 6. I'm going to pull it up here. Just, all right. There you go. It's uh, 24, 25, and 26. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So as you pray God's word over my family, uh, I'd be truly grateful. Can you tell him thank you for being here tonight? And then, Sean, if you'll come right down here. I'm going to ask you to stand up with us. And um, if you want to, I'm going to give you all that information. I'm going to send all that to you in an email. You want to just tell him what the address is real quick? Yeah, it's uh, 3034 Old Austin P. It's the old Raleigh Baptist uh, Church is where the ministry center is. So they were there to about 2000. And then another church uh, moved in, and then they moved out great in money. And now Pastor Leon Jones is the pastor of the dwelling place, which is also part of our association. 
And uh, so we work alongside of Pastor Leon and then also in our city, but it's uh, 3034 Old Austin P Highway. If any of you would like to come by uh, as well, you can set that up. Just come by and just look at it and kind of walk through and see what God is doing. All right, Sean, you come right down here. Let me have some guys come forward. Jeff, I know I want you down here. Anybody else that's been with Sean, worked alongside him, and then some of you just come up here and lay hands on him, and uh, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray a blessing over him, and actually I'm going to ask Jeff to do that. Just put him on the spot. All right, let's just lay hands on him. Guys, come right up here, Sean. Lay hands on him. All right, Jeff. You reach your hands forward and just pray over him. Father God, I love my brother. We know you love him. We know he loves you. Um, Father, uh, bless his children, bless his family, let them grow to be a powerhouse for the kingdom, let them move from the inside of this city out, let it start in us, let it be a catalyst, Father, let many men volunteer, come alongside him in your name, let them see where you are moving, and let them join you, Father, let it be the biggest blessing of our lives to be a part of the change that happens in the city of Memphis that can change that underpinning, that can change that trauma that has infected this city for so long, that has infected um, this country and this world for so long. Father, allow um, men to come alongside Sean to be in the hamp, to, um, to walk those streets and love on those people. You know, I've been there and they, uh, they need love just like anybody needs love and a lot of us are spoiled rotten, like Derek said. Um, let us go down there and, you know, be good stewards and uh, give those things that you've given us. Um, whether it be simple hands going in, uh, you know, in the ground, fixing pipes or uh, standing up walls or doing sheetrock or putting mud on uh, something or paint. Just our sweat, you know. You gave plenty of your sweat and blood in that garden um, and on that cross for us. Let us give a little bit and some, um, some work. Um, some of the skills that you've given us, some of the talents that you've given us, and some of the um, spiritual gifts you've given us. Father, I ask that you bless Sean, bless the Hamp, bless, uh, bless his church, bless his family, bless his life, uh, bless his service to your kingdom, Father. Allow him to continue to uh, live healthy, just as his soul isn't healthy as inside of him. Let it uh, shine outside of him as well. Um, Father, uh, let his children grow up to be uh, beautiful leaders in the community. Men and women of God, let them uh, have families that uh, grow close to you, uh, desire to be near you, that bring up a heritage uh, in your name. Um, Father, let, uh, let your name be shine, shown um, throughout that community um, because of his bravery and listening to you 15 years ago. Um, let it continue to be so and continue to move forward. We love you. Uh, Father, we, we ask for your leadings and your guidance and your direction. Uh, we pray this over Sean and his family and that hamp. Uh, we love. Uh, we pray all this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.